You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring Pastor Jenny Andoni and Pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. We are glad that you are here this morning. Just a few quick reminders about what's coming up in the life of the church. Uh, this month, we are supporting Venezuela Now. And it is a, an organization in Venezuela that helps the people who, um, who are in dire need. 
Um, this month, we are collecting formula. We have a lot of this formula at our house. For those of you who don't know, we have a 10-month-old. Um, it is expensive, but in a place like Venezuela, it's even more expensive and hard for them to, um, to get. So put this on your grocery list. Bring it in beginning next week through September the 15th. Um, and we really appreciate you helping us support that organization. Additionally, coming up October 9th, we have our annual uh, Mission Possible Midway 5K Fun Run. Um, you can run, you can walk, or you can sit on your couch and support. I know that might be some people's favorite way to support missions. Um, you can sign up to be a runner, walker, or a ghost runner. We also have opportunities for you to sponsor, um, sponsor the race in support of missions. This year we are supporting all the proceeds will benefit Family Promise, which is a wonderful organization here in Forsyth County. We are blessed to be able to serve God, but also to be able to come together each and every Sunday to worship God. Would you join me now as we pray? Almighty God, we thank you for bringing us here this morning for the worship that we get to bestow upon you. God, I pray that our worship would be bright, Lord, that our worship would be joyful, and Lord, that you would hear us glorifying you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. It looks like we have some technical difficulties. Is that true? That's right. Hey, by the way, uh, there's pages in the back there. She uh, does the slides for us a lot. And today's her last day. She's going off to college. Let's hear it for Paige. But let's also blame her for messing everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so this next song, I, I, you know, pay no attention to the uh, screen. This is a song called All We Need, and it goes like this. And we have all we need in you. All we need is you. All we need is you. That's easy to sing, right? Sing with this. And we have all we need in you all we need is you all we need is you so the rest of the song goes like this rich or poor god i want you more than anything that glitters in this world be my all all consuming fire Let's do that one more time. Hey. 
Good job. It's hard without the words. Sorry about that. This next song is called New Wine. It ties in with our scripture. Pastor Jenny will hip you to that. But it basically uh, tells us that we give ourselves up to God. And he can do whatever he wants with us, right? It goes like this. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making a new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking a new ground. Yeah. You guys can go have a seat. Just listen to the words here. In the pressing, you are making a new wine. In the soil, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your. Make me an offering Make me whatever you want me to be I came here with nothing But all you have given me Jesus, bring new wine out of me Jesus, bring new out of me in the crushing in the pressing you are making new wine in the soil I now surrender you are breaking like to invite our children if you'd like to come on up we'll have a children's sermon this morning I got no takers this morning it looks like 
One, one. Here we go. They might need a little prompting. That's okay. And some older children, too. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good? All right, so today, um, Pastor Jenny's going to talk about this in her sermon, but there's an old Sunday school hymn that like, I sang when I was in Sunday school. I don't know if they have it anymore. Maybe your parents or grandparents know it, and if they know it, I would love for them to help me. But there's a, um, a song, it's called, Oh, Be Careful, Little Eyes. But listen, it's really easy. It goes, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then there's some other verses. Like, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little mouth, what you say. Be careful, little hands, what you do, and little feet, where you go. And I think this is a really great song because it reminds us that whatever we do, whatever we see, whatever we say, we need to do it and be careful and do it for the glory of God. Do you guys know what the word glory means? It's kind of a big church word. It just means that we... Um, we, we show God in everything we do. We try to show God and the best of God in everything we do. So in the letter today, we're, we've been talking about Ephesians, right? So in the letter to Ephesians, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. You think that's a good, some good advice? Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Be filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and spiritual songs, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I think that is, that is one of the best pieces of advice we can have. Our Bible is full of great advice, and this is, but this is one of the best that we can have, because it applies to us today. Be careful what you do. And make sure all you do honors God. Do you guys think you can do that at home? At school? Where you play? Where you go like extracurricular on the, on the ball field or in the dance studio? It's hard sometimes, but I know you guys can do it. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you that we can love you by showing others that we love you through what we see, what we say, what we do. Lead us this day and always. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, guys, for coming up and hanging out with me. I appreciate it. This morning, we have an opportunity to go to God in prayer and to lift up our prayer concerns and our joys to God. We have a couple of concerns I'd like to share with you that we are praying uh, through as a congregation. Um, one of the United Methodist pastors in the North Georgia Conference, uh, his name is Mike Broom. He is currently um, in the ICU, so we ask for his prayer, for prayers for him. And we also want to pray for the earthquake that just happened in Haiti, if you would keep the people of that country in your prayers. Additionally, just a reminder that Next, um, next Saturday, August 21st at 11 a.m., uh, Jane Anderson, Wes, Wes's uh, mother, will have, will have a memorial service for her. So if you're able to attend and would like to remember her, we invite you to come for that service. Would you now join me as we go to God in prayer? Almighty God, we thank you that we can come before you, Lord, singing songs of the Spirit, lifting up your holy name. God, that we can come and we can worship you here together as a community of faith. Lord, we pray that our worship this morning 
would glorify you. Just like we spoke with the children that, Lord, that everything we do would honor you, would bring you honor and would bring you glory. God, we confess that we don't always live for you. The things of this world often distract us. They often bring us away from you and we sin against you. We sin against our neighbor. Almighty God, forgive us. Allow us to return to you, to seek you. God, we thank you that we can return to you. And God, as we return, Lord, you invite us into your family, into your community. And God, you invite us to participate in a holy life. God, that you invite us to be part of your work here in this world. God, you invite us to love our neighbor as you love them. You invite us to care for the poor and the sick and the hungry as you care for the poor and the sick and the hungry. God, we thank you that we are a part of your kingdom making. And we pray that you would continue to invite us to be a part of that. That you would continue to invite us into your will, into your way. Almighty God, we have brought before you this morning prayers. Prayers and petitions for friends, for family. God, also for those, those prayers on our hearts, we lift them up to you. God, we also bring our joys, our sorrows, our mourning. God, would you be with us? Again, allowing us to be your hands and feet in answering these prayers. God, we thank you so much that we can participate in bringing your love on this earth. And we do so by following Jesus Christ. And God, now we pray together the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This morning we continue our series on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Our scripture lesson is Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in the 15th verse. Hear now God's word to us this day. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. On one of my husband's mission trips to Mexico, they were building a church and after a long, hot day of work, one of the members of the congregation named Roberto invited Herzen to his house for dinner. Well, upon arrival, Herzen was offered a cool pineapple drink. Hot, hungry, and thirsty, he quickly downed it. And it wasn't until he was like halfway into the meal that he realized that this pineapple juice had a kick to it. It was fermented. 
Arzen asked uh, his host what the name of this drink was, and he told them to peche. Well, after dinner, Herzen thanked his host, and he went back to the church where he asked the host pastor, Gonzalo, about Tepeche. What do you ask about Tepeche, asked Gonzalo. Herzen said, well, because I was over at Roberto's house, and he gave me some to drink. At this, Gonzalo got visibly angry, and Herzen tried to reassure him, saying, oh, don't worry about it. No, Gonzalo didn't know that we practice abstinence on our mission trips. And Gonzalo said to him, no, I'm not mad because he gave you Tebeche. I'm mad because he didn't invite me. <laughs> In the fifth chapter, which begins the second half of his letter to the Ephesians, Paul begins to instruct the church in holy living. He offers three admonitions that begin in verse 15. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. The first admonition is to be wise. Wisdom for Paul had to do with understanding the plan of salvation that God has made known to us through Jesus Christ. We know this because back in the first chapter, he speaks of God imparting all wisdom and insight as recipients of God's grace in Christ Jesus. Because we have received this wisdom, we are to make good use of our time, literally make most of the opportunity. We are to do so, says Paul, because the days are evil. What he's saying is that the end of the world is drawing near. So Christians are to use the time remaining to serve Christ and, and his kingdom. You know, one of the things that Methodist ministers commit to when we are ordained is we promise not to trifle away time. We are also promised not to spend any more time than is absolutely necessary in any given place. That's a strange thing to promise, isn't it? But these were Wesley's ancient rules, and they, the point is that we are to make most of the time that we have in our service to Christ. For uh, the Christian spending time wisely is then a mark of holy living. Well, the second part of this first admonition is do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, wisdom and foolishness were often juxtaposed in Hebrew literature. While the foolish live careless and unreflective lives, the wise instead seek to understand the Lord's will and to live accordingly. It only makes sense that we need to know what God's will is in order to know how we should spend our time. So the first admonition is to be wise, not unwise or foolish. The second admonition is to be sober. Do not get drunk on wine, for that is debauchery but be filled with the Spirit. Now, when was the last time you used the word debauchery in conversation? It's, it's not a word we use much anymore. But it means excessive indulgence in sensual pleasures, especially in drinking to excess. So here, debauchery literally refers to unsavedness. In other words, it's a behavior that is contrary to that salvation that we have received in Christ. Jesus himself warned his disciples against dissipation and drunkenness. And in Romans, Paul exhorts believers, let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness. We also know, as many are so quick to point out, that, that Paul was no teetotaler, right? because he advised Timothy to take a little wine for his, 
his stomach ailment. Well, that day, wine was often had medicinal purposes, and of course, it was safer to drink um, than unpurified water. But there is here for Paul a weightier issue at stake than simply objecting to imbibing an alcohol, the abuse of which so many of us are all too painfully familiar. This is more than moral principle for Paul. Drinking to excess strikes at the very heart of Christian witness and worship. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, contrasting worship that was fueled by the Spirit over that of alcohol, he specifically had in mind these first century pagan cults that used wine to excess to induce wild, frenzied worship. They believed that by getting drunk, that was the way for them to experience the presence of the gods. Well, Paul is making it clear that this is the antithesis to Christian worship. Remember on Pentecost, when the Spirit came upon the believers, the the observers uh, mocked their ecstasy, saying that they were filled with new wine. This was a natural assumption for them to make because they were familiar with these pagan cults and the kind of ecstatic worship that they um, practiced through over-imbibing. But the real presence of the Spirit, you know, flowing within and among believers can have, if you will, an intoxicating effect that is confusing to those who don't know the Lord. Which makes me wonder, is our worship so spirit-filled as to lead outsiders to accuse us of worshiping under the influence. It's just the question to ponder today. Many of us have learned, especially if you grew up in the Methodist church, we, we learned that the Wesley brothers themselves used pub songs as hymn tunes. You know, that they used these to help convert the lost. But I hate to burst our Methodist bubble. That's a myth. It's a myth that came about because of confusion about over a musical term that was in written into the hymn, and that's the term a bar form. A bar was a poem of three or four stanzas, and not a reference to a tavern tune, a bar tune song. A mighty fortress is our God is, you know, clearly a far cry from a hundred bottles of beer on the wall, right? It's, it's a romantic notion to imagine that the evangelical fervor of the Wesleys led them to co-op drinking tunes to reach the lost. But the truth, according to one uh, Wesleyan scholar, is that while They preached to the lost, including a fair share of drunks and alcoholics in many venues outside the church. They did not and would not have used the music associated with such sinful behavior in their hymn singing. The brothers did, however, occasionally use a secular tune for their hymns, but in that case it would have been borrowed from classical music, not from a tavern. So, you know, it's okay for Christians to drink, but it's not okay for us to do so to excess or to pressure others to do so. You know, the only place I ever really experienced pressure to drink when I didn't want to was a gathering of other Methodist ministers. Isn't that sad? I think that's sad, really. I do. We don't know people's reasons for not drinking, you know. Maybe they're an alcoholic. Maybe they have a medical reason or take medication that they shouldn't uh, combine with it. So, um, you know, we don't know people's reasons. So we don't, you know, need to make it a prerequisite kind of to a gathering or, you know, to fellowship with one another. We shouldn't make jokes about drinking. 
really, because to do so is to ignore the real damage that addiction to alcohol has had on countless lives. Christians are not to act, you know, like a bunch of frat boys who think that they can't have a good time unless they get drunk and they drink together. So, in essence, Christians choose the spirit over the spirits, God over alcohol, to be a servant of Christ rather than a slave to drink. So the second admonition to holy living is to be sober. The third admonition is to be thankful. Be filled with the Spirit, writes Paul, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, <clears throat> giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Genuine Spirit-filled worship is a corporate experience characterized by thanksgiving expressed through heartfelt singing. Psalm 95 describes this kind of worship. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our, our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. I think one, one of the painful aspects of the pandemic was that we had to eliminate congregational singing, you know, because singing puts so many particles in the air. And I pray we never have to do that again. Because, you know, worship without joyful singing, without expressing our gratitude to God is, is, is kind of empty, you know? I think it left us yearning for the day when we could sing again and that we could, could praise God again within the company of saints and not take worship for granted. One of the things I like about going to annual conference each year is that, that it allows me to worship um, without having to lead worship. So it was great expectation that I entered an opening worship service one year. And there we were, 2,000 strong, you know, 1,000 clergy, 1,000 laity, and we were primed and pumped to sing God's praises. You know, the spirit was palpable. Right out of the gates, we were in trouble. We began singing that great hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. But at that dirge-like tempo we were singing at, I was afraid that it would take us a thousand years to sing all six verses. You know? Thankfully, by the end of the service, it was obvious the musicians had gotten together on what the tempo would be, and they, they kept it up so that when we sang in Are We Yet Alive, we could make a good argument that we were. Later in the week, some youth led the worship service, and these youth delegates reminded us of the instructions John Wesley gave us for singing. I'm just going to share three of them with you. One, sing in time. This is one of my pet peeves, okay? Keep the tempo. Just do not drag. And apparently it's Wesley's pet peeve too. Whatever time is sung, be sure to keep with it. Do not run before, do not stay behind it. That's why we've got John to keep, keep the beat, right? But attend closely to the leading voices and move therewith exactly as you can and take care not to sing too slow. This drawling way naturally steals on all who are lazy. And it is high time to drive it out from among us and sing all our tunes just as quick as we did at first. Sing lustily. And with good courage, beware of singing as if you are half dead or half asleep. But lift up your voice with strength. Be no more afraid of your voice now, nor more ashamed of its being heard than when you sang the songs of Satan. 
can't sing well, don't worry about it. Make a joyful noise. You're doing it to the Lord, <clears throat> not to an audience. Number three, sing spiritually. You know, as Paul says, you know, it's, it's out of gratitude that we sing. So Wesley says, have an eye to God in every word you sing. Aim at pleasing him more than yourself or any other person in order to extend strictly to the sense of what you sing and see that your heart is not carried away with the sound but offered to God continually. That's who we're singing to. We're singing to God. Robert Weber is author of a classic book on worship entitled Worship is a Verb. And in it, he tells about an instant of heartfelt thanks that he experienced in a worship service during his visit to uh, a church in communist Russia. At the conclusion of the priest's sermon, the entire congregation shouted in one voice, Pasiba! And Weber asked, you know, he was, it was electric. He wanted to know, he asked his translator, what does it mean? And his translator told him, it means thank you. Weber says, no wonder it was said with such enthusiasm. These people who can't have the word of God shout thank you when they hear the word of God. Be wise. Be sober. Be thankful. Gordon Cosby was founder of the Church of the Savior in Washington, D.C. He once preached a midweek service in the evening at a church in New England. Well, the worship was dull and uninspiring. Nobody sang the hymns. Nobody uh, smiled or reacted to anything. Well, according to Cosby, the only thing that moved in that worship service were the offering plates. You know, and we don't even pass those around here anymore. Well, afterwards, he and his wife were down. They were, they were depressed. Well, the church had reserved a room for them to stay overnight, and it happened to be over a tavern. Well, the pastor and his wife couldn't help but compare the sounds and laughter and music and camaraderie below their room with the grim, lifeless exercise in religion that they had experienced down the road at the church. Cosby said, I realized that there was more warmth and fellowship in that tavern than there was in the church. If Jesus of Nazareth had his choice, he would have come to the tavern rather than the church. It's true, you know. Where's Jesus most often recorded to be in the Bible? In someone's home, eating and drinking and fellowshipping, often with people of less than stellar reputations. That's why he was accused of being a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Our women's ministry is planning when it is safe to do so to gather at the Catch-22 restaurant up in Freehome. And they are calling the event Pints and Praise. I wanted to call it Spirit and Song, but I got vetoed. But... The point of this gathering is not the drinking, but the fellowship, to be out in the community and invite others who may be reluctant to ever darken the doors of the church to experience the joy of Christians singing praise to God, to singing our thankfulness to God among people that like those with whom Jesus gathered. So, what are they? Be wise, be sober, be thankful. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. We no longer pass the offering plate, but we offer ourselves 
in our hearts to God through the offering of our gifts, our tithes, and our very lives. weary soul this bag of bones I try with all my might but I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting a vagabond and just when I ran out of road careful how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. May God go before you to guide you. May God go behind you to direct you. May God go beside you to befriend you. May God rest above you to protect you. May God rest below you to uphold you. 
And may God dwell within you to comfort you now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel, an acoustic worship service at 9.45 a.m. in our historic chapel, and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.